What's good, people? It's your boy, the undisputed 9 to fiver aka aspiring businessman, wannabe entrepreneur, and full-time happy guy, just trying to spread love. So thank you for joining me today. We've got shots of wisdom, and I hope you enjoy. Here with me today, joining me, is Alex, and thank you very much for accepting to do this Shots of Wisdom podcast. If you could please um, introduce yourself to all the listeners, please. Yeah, um, I'm Alex McCann from a social media company called Ultram HQ in Manchester. So we literally help businesses make more of their, their life and their business via social media. So all the, um, all the usual channels, so Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and so on. And just giving them a bit of a strategy and a bit of a helping hand, really. Okay, brilliant. And then basically, in terms of the agency, when did you start it and why did you start it? Um, I had an interesting background. I used to be a journalist and run an events company. And what I found in about 2009, um, there was lots of small businesses still going down the traditional route. So they were still going, sending press releases to a local newspaper and it taking six weeks to get in the local newspaper. So it was very much, I thought, why are people doing this? Why are you literally announcing a new business opening? The, the newspaper's then printing it six weeks later saying there's a new business opening. You've already been there for six weeks. Um, so I literally sort of almost took the, what I'd call a city centre mentality to a small town. So that, that, that's why I wanted to start it up. Um, and, and the agency is quite small. The agency is literally mean a handful of freelancers and we keep the team lean for that reason. We, do, we don't want to grow too big, but we want to grow big enough to make an impact. And I think it's really important that you look at your impact of how much impact you can make as an individual or a couple of people. Um, but that, that's why I started. Um, and so we started in 2009 as a community project and turned into a business in 2010. And basically, since you started it, what um, what interesting things have come with that in terms of what benefits in terms of a lifestyle and basically just like freedom? What stuff has come with that? I think, um, well, I'm paying my mortgage off this year. So that's, that's probably a definite big freedom tick. Um, so that's going to be paid off pretty soon. And... I think when you grow a business, you're always trying to grow a little bit bigger. But I think in, t- in terms of lifestyle changes, I don't know. I'm kind of not, I'm not into, I'm into sort of saving money and spending it on the important things. So spending it on experiences with friends and going out to nice restaurants and going out on away on a holiday to New York and Sydney, um, places like that. It just allows you to not worry about where the next um, next month's pay is coming from. Um, I think my, my business has grown massively as a social media business since I, I, I fully concentrated on I used to run an events business alongside it and that had to go to concentrate on growing this business. Yeah, I had a look in terms of your um, events business. When did you start that one and why did you eventually decide to um, stop it? Um, I, I started that one, I think it was around 2004. Um, I was running a, web, a music website alongside, um, well, from 1999. And suddenly we grew 10,000 readers a week. And we just literally launched it off the back of doing our fourth birthday party for the magazine or the website. And literally it snowballed from that and I loved doing it. And I, But I think the reason I gave it up, to be honest, um, was an age thing. I wanted my weekends back. I, I wanted to see friends on a Friday night rather than going to work on a Friday or Saturday night. And I think it was definitely a lifestyle thing. And it, it came to the point where which can grow quicker. Can my social media business grow more and more? Yes, it can. And can I do that, obviously, daytime-wise? Or the only way I could grow my events business was by putting more and more events on, and that meant less and less time with friends and family. 
so I, I definitely did it. I mean, I've probably worked longer hours now, but it's all confined to sort of daytimes. And then in terms of basically the events, I know it's such a difficult industry to be mm. successful. So what did you do to basically um, make yourself successful within that industry? Um, quite easy music. I treated people nicely, which is a really strange thing for <laughs> the music. In music, people want to be in, out, make a lot of money in a couple of years. And I thought, well, actually, we can make a lot of money over a long period of time if you just treat people the right way. Um, so I always sort of set this thing. It was all about the passion. It was always about the music. So that, that, that came first. And when you get a pedigree for putting on good acts, we put on some pretty big acts. We put on like Reverend the Makers. We put on the band that you now know as 1975. We put on the band that you now know as Catfish and the Bottleman. So bands are quite big now. And we just did it on like, let's find some really, really, really good talent. Let's find them early. Let's put them on. Let's think of the long-term legacy. And when you're thinking that way and you're thinking the right people gravitate towards you because people want to be associated with the talent. So we just put on some really good acts. We did it over a long period of time. So the event business was only given up at the end of 2013, uh, beginning of 2014. And we, we just, a lot of people burnt out a lot quicker than us. Um, but everything changed. The recession hit in 2009. That was a bad moment. So, uh, yeah, I think um, when when the recession hit in 2009, <laughs> I was I was just leaving um, year 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I totally missed that entire thing. Yeah, well, uh, I think, yeah, the recession was bad. It was, um, my, my income down went down to 20% of what I was normally earning in that recession, and everyone in the industry felt exactly the same thing. I managed to ride through it because I had savings um, and came out the other side and actually started doing better in terms of financially after it. But I think everything changed. I think the music industry changed as well. Um, there, isn't, there isn't as much music in it with the internet, which is, I love the internet, but it, it took all the money out of the music industry. Yeah, and then in terms of basically like in 2009 when it hit, what sort yeah. of mindset did someone need to have to be able to keep a level headed, um, basically keep a level head and then say, okay, it's fine, I know that's temporary, but then to yeah. then carry on the way that you said you did and then get better? Yeah, um, I think you definitely had to be resilient. You had to, you had to, you had to understand that it was, it was going to be a long time because it was at least a year, maybe even two years, but it was a really bad time. You had to be resilient and you had to chat to everyone else in your industry. You didn't want to deal with it on your own. So we, we got together with other promoters, other events organizers, saying, what's going on? Is, is it exactly the same in your industry or your business? Is it exactly the same in your venue? And it was across the board. And we sort of knew, yeah, you'd come out the other side, but it would never be quite the same again. So I think definitely having that resilience. And I think at that time, it was, it was an eye-opener to start being almost more business-minded because I, I was doing it for a passion and I was doing it for fun and it earned money. But I think I was definitely put, um, what's the word, systems in place after that. I, I, I definitely became more systemized uh, with everything. And you, if you read something like, um, which I'm thinking of the book, it's the E word, isn't it? Where you sort of almost look at building a franchise. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't like that in terms of I was building a franchise, but I was definitely putting systems in place and I got people to help me when it came out the other side. I got I got staff that could help me and um, be a, le a little bit less hands-on in some some respects. I think if you, you have a team, if you're trying to do everything yourself, it's really hard. And then basically, in terms of um, working with other people as a team, mm. how important is that? Because I know that you mentioned at the moment you've got freelancers that work with you. How crucial are they to your business? 
Oh, definitely. They, 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 they've helped grow the business massively because when I started, when, you, when you're doing social media management, it's all about time. So there's only, you, you have to spend so much time on each client that you need extra people to come on board. And it's all happened. It's happened organically. So I've met the right people. Um, I've trained them up in my way of thinking, how, how I like to run the business, and they've brought their own skill sets to that. So some have design skills and some have um, PR skills and some have sales skills. And I think it's that combined skill set that, that you get on with. When you get a team, you can bounce ideas off people. But also, there's not just a team that you have with you. There's a the whole network side of things. So I'll definitely advise anyone listening to this, build a network around you, people that can help and support you. And then speaking about um, building a network and support system, if you could just um, take me back a little bit in terms of family and support, basically how how much of an impact and a role did your parents have on you? Difficult question because they've, ne- they've never run a business. My parents never ran a business. My mum was a nurse. My dad was a postman. Um, so they, they still get quite worried about me running a business and not having a set salary, even though I'm doing quite well. Because um, they're not in that mindset of running a business. So, yeah, they did support me in terms of, I guess, emotionally. Um, they backed what I did. They weren't against it. But sometimes when you have parents who haven't run a business, it's, it's the sort of same thing where they always say, when are you going to get a real job? And that's the saying that I think a lot of business people <laughs> hear when, they, when they're the first one in the family really to run a business. So, yeah, they supported me emotionally. Financially, I had to sort of do it. I came from a normal background. Um, so I, I sort of you get used to building everything on yourself. And I think you, you, if you're doing it that, you, you become a lot more tougher in business. You, you know that you've got to rely on one person, it's yourself. Have you always been um, entrepreneurial? Um, to a certain extent, I've always done what I wanted. Um, I, I, sort of, I do believe that sort of thing of um, just following what you love. I know it's a, it's a bit of a cliche now. and People go around colleges and schools and go and do what you love. And but I kind of have. Um, I set the music website up because I love music. Then I set up an events company because I just wanted to do it. Then that someone suggested an idea, why don't you do this for businesses to set up a social media company? And I kind of did it. And as soon as I get bored, you can sort of get that feeling um, almost like a 10 year itch sometimes. And you think, oh, I'm, get, I'm getting a bit bored of this. I need to find something new. And luckily, I'm not getting bored of this one yet. So it's, so it's interesting. That's exactly what I was about to ask you. How long until you're bored this time? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm what, eight years in, eight year, nine years in, and I'm definitely not bored. I think because it's so varied. Um, I'm meeting different people all the time, and there's different dynamics. So today, as I said, I was, I was with 30 people, training 30 women, and I'm, I'm training mixed businesses tomorrow. And sometimes it might be one-on-one, sometimes it might be small groups, sometimes it might be large groups. Every single person you meet is different. Um, so it, it keeps it fresh. It's n- no one day is the same as last yesterday. And then in terms of general life, what brings you satisfaction and happiness? I think I'm, I'm, my business is one. I enjoy working on the business. So I think that's, that's a massive part of my life, literally, whether it's, it's, it's what I'd call in the trenches running the business or it's reading about business and reading business books. But the other side, it's still music. I'm still a massive music fan. So I go to a ridiculous amount of gigs each month and concerts. So I probably go to about... In gigging season, probably about 10 gigs a month, um, seeing friends, family, eating out at nice restaurants. Um, I think it's trying to get that balance um, between running a business, growing your business, but still taking time out each week to see friends and family and, and have interests outside the work. So, yeah, music's a massive passion. And why has music always been a passion from you just from a young age? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I used to be the kid on the school bus that used to read like music magazines all the time. I know we don't have magazines now, but like literally re- reading magazines, finding new bands, going to gigs. I mean, when I, when I was what sixteen years old, I was probably going to even more gigs than I was going now. I was probably going to five gigs a week, um, and it, it's ridiculous. But no, I just listen to it all the time. The great thing about working for yourself and having your own businesses. When I'm doing work, I've constantly got music in the background. So literally two minutes before this podcast, I was having music on full time. And it's just like, that's what I do all day, listen to music and work. <laughs> and then uh, you also mentioned about reading books. Are you someone that reads a lot of books? And if you do, what are your, um, let's say, top three book suggestions? Top three. Uh, yeah, I, I do read a lot. I don't read as much as some people. I mean, I... When, when you sort of read these interviews with entrepreneurs and say they read one book a week, I haven't got time to read one book a week. So it's probably about one one book a month. Um, top three books. Um, I definitely am a big fan of Grant Cardone. So I'd definitely recommend 10X, about 10X in your life and becoming, setting your goals a lot bigger than what you'd normally set them. So yeah, Grant Cardone, um, 10X rule. Um, what else would I recommend? There's a book called by Rob Moore called Money which is about actually thinking about the financial aspects of your business, because I think it's one thing that when you start a business up as a passion, you're not always looking at the monetary. And I think sometimes people treat a business as a hobby. So looking at where your revenue is coming from, and I'm trying to think what else is good. I I also read books that are um, outside of business that inspire you, like books on fitness and health, Um, because I I go to the gym all the time and I'm I'm actually a qualified fitness instructor as well. So I like reading about there's a, there's a book about um, marathon r- runners in Japan and how they, re- they they run 26 marathons in a row, literally 26 marathons back to back, and that's kind of inspiring as well. So you try and take inspiration from things that aren't necessarily business as well. 26 marathons in a row. How are they still alive? I know. Well, I think there's one. There's actually ones which are even worse than that. Well, not worse, better than that. But um, I think there's something like is it a hundred or a thousand? They're sort of Japanese monks. It's ridiculous. Um, but I think that's sort of kind of an urban myth and an urban legend. But it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just sounds like an absolute nightmare for me. I know that I go to the gym like five five times a week, but marathons that much? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And then basically, in terms of um, social platforms, when you're working with your um, clients or yourself personally, what are some of your favourite platforms at the moment? If I had to talk on personal and also the one that actually drives me the most business, it's definitely Twitter. And I think Twitter, because um, it's all about one-to-one conversations. It's about the things that I like. I like people and I like talking to people. And Twitter allows you to reach out to actual total strangers, chat to them, build a relationship up, arrange to go and meet for coffee. So I think Twitter's definitely, it's it's been the number one platform that built my business. I think what I also really enjoy at the moment, particularly over, say, the last year, is LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn's become a lot more human. So if you, obviously you're a lot younger than myself, but LinkedIn used to be a really, really serious platform. And it used to be the sort of one, very traditional, where you expected people always to wear a suit and a tie. Now it's become a lot more relaxed and people are becoming a lot more human on it. And you, the great thing about LinkedIn at the moment is you can actually talk about business and reach a huge audience. So some, some one of my recent posts reached 105,000 people from a post that probably took me less than five minutes to write. And I think that's really, really powerful to generate awareness. So definitely Twitter and LinkedIn are my faves. There's, there's, I think they're all great. They're all great for different reasons. Um, 
Instagram just for high quality imagery and to reach a definitely younger demographic. So I, I, I love all of them. Um, apart from Snapchat, I'm not really a fan of Snapchat. Yeah, it's not, uh, Snapchat's a bit weird one, especially with their new update lately. Yeah. Yeah, it's just um, dropped my views massively. <laughs> yeah, I think Instagram's killing Snapchat. That's a, that's a problem. As soon as stories came out on Instagram, I, I've met a lot of people that are like 16 years old that have li literally just jumped over to Instagram because they, they finally can get the reach, they can finally get the audience. And I think from a business perspective, um, Instagram's killing Snapchat in terms of like you, you're at analytics, your insights, um, just you reach your awareness. It's so hard to build an audience for a business on Snapchat. Yeah, 100% I agree because what, what I do most of the time because um, I get on the train to get to town in Birmingham to work and all the time when I'm on the train, I'm just looking at other people's phones, seeing what apps they're on, what they're looking at and then if I do get the chance to, like, let's say, speak to a few people, I'll ask them like the straight questions about, let's say, are they still on Snapchat that much or is Instagram the new stories as that? took more for hold just to get those few insights from people and a lot of let's say 16 to 21 year olds I've spoke to they've mm. massively said that they don't even touch snapchat anymore yeah it's uh, yeah I, I I I did it for the filters occasionally but I mean you look at that and it's just like you feel like you're wasting your time a little bit I think definitely as a business person you, you've got to go down on the platforms that generate business and I think Snapchat for me, is it going to generate business ever? Probably not, so I might as well concentrate on everything else. And then in terms of um, LinkedIn, mm. how, how have you managed to generate over 250 um, recommendations? Um, you have a strategy in place. I remember one of the, again, this is why you, you sort of go out to networking, you chat to people about how they, how they build the business. I remember very early on one of my first net business networking events, there was a talk and it was only 15 minutes, but it was about the the power of testimonials and the powers of customers talking about you. And I sort of ran with that massively. And I just thought, any, anyone I work with directly, I'm going to ask for a testimonial because people do it unless you ask them. So it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you know um, the restaurant owner sometimes asks you to leave a TripAdvisor review or they might give you a card to encourage you. Um, it's exactly the same thing. So you get 250, but if you... And that's, that's massively powerful now. That's a massive marketing tool for my business. Um, the average number of testimonials my competitors have got are probably about 10 to 15 when I look at what they've got. So when I go, if, I, if someone's considering who they're going to go with for social media marketing, they look at me, I've got 250. They look at a competitor who's got 10 to 15. They're going to go with me. So I've just literally had that. Every time I do a training session, I ask people to leave a recommendation if they're happy. And if they're happy, which they all go away happy, they're happy to leave one. And then basically, okay, okay, so basically you went about with a strategy of making sure that every time after working with someone, yeah. you then reach out to them and ask them to leave a recommendation for you. Yeah, definitely, 100%, every single person should do that. Obviously, there's a, there's a time and a place, so I do a training session, literally sometimes it is on LinkedIn, sometimes it's on Twitter and Facebook, then what I'm doing is when I'm sending my invoice to them or when I'm sending the receipt to them, I'm literally saying, can you please leave a review on LinkedIn? And they don't always because some people are busy. It's not necessarily because they are not happy to leave a review. I've had people who haven't left a review but recommended me to five other businesses after the after the session. Um, so sometimes it just comes down to time. If, if everyone left a testimonial that I'd, I'd trained, I'd have a lot more than 250. I'm aiming for 300 this year. Yeah, I think you're probably on about 280 at the moment from what I had a look at. Yeah, yeah. So it's only, it's only a handful more to get and I, I will 100% get that this year. I mean, obviously... I'd rather get it in the next month, but I will definitely get it by the end of the year. <laughs>
Okay, and then based in terms of um, whether it's young people, old people, um, male, female, what mm. advice would you give to someone that wants to start their own business in 2018, whether it's um, B2C, B2B, products or services? Um, post lots and lots of high quality content out there and play to your strengths on that content. So if you are a good writer, I would set a blog up and start writing about what you're doing. If you obviously, there's audio and podcasts like you're doing yourself or videos and play to your strengths on what content you're good at. Um, set up a YouTube channel, whatever you're good at, start doing that and talking about what you're doing and generate that awareness. The sales don't come immediately, but actually go out there and make sure every single person knows your name. So when I, when I set up my business, I wanted everyone in my hometown of Altrincham to know my name. I built a thousand followers up before I'd even sold anything because I didn't need to generate money at the time. So I made sure people knew my name. So when I introduced myself, people knew the name Alex, people know the company Altrincham HQ. And that's the thing. Most people, most businesses fail because enough people aren't aware of them. So you've got to make sure you're omnipresent in a good way. So generate that awareness. Keep giving value to people. It's a bit of a cliche. But don't just try and sell to people. Give people tips and advice and help. And just try and look for the opportunities where you can help people. So literally, when we obviously we met on the app called Shaper, which is, I always call it like Tinder for LinkedIn, which it kind of is. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I'm not just going to go and try and sell to someone. I ask about them like I asked about yourself and great opportunities come from that. And I'm literally, Shaper's really good. It's really interesting. I'm meeting so many interesting people on it. I think more... More people should use that as well, actually, thinking it's of it. Got, it's got a lot better in the last six months. Yeah. I sort of go went through fits and starts of using it, and now it's part of my daily actions. So going on shape is one thing I do every single day and swipe left or swipe right, depending on who's on there. But literally, um, I think that's another important thing. Have daily habits. Get into a routine of doing things that are helpful for your business. So make social media part of your daily actions make it a point of having meeting x amount of people over a week so have have recurring actions that are, are good for your business and good for your life literally set goals as well on based on those and then now have those goals written above wherever your wherever your eyes look most of the time so mine are right above my computer most of the time okay. and then basically in terms of you yourself what um sort of habits rituals like daily stuff have you got for yourself um what habits um it's all based around my long-term goals. So basically, at the start of the year, I set 12 business goals and I set um, 12 personal goals. So I have, they're not necessarily done at the same time every day, but there is a certain amount of tweets that average get sent. There's a certain amount of LinkedIn posts. I commit to my social media activity because I know that's what generates my awareness. Um, what I will also do is commit to the amount of blogs I write and I will commit to go to a certain amount of networking, face-to-face -face networking events each month. So they're all based around things that generate my exposure. It might be different for what you're doing as a business. It might be that you're seeking out new products and that's what you need to do. You need to look every day. But I, I generally do things like read blogs every day. Try and read at least 20 minutes a day as well as another one. You spoke about um, blogging. If you can tell me more about um, Northwest Business Life, the website, and basically the whole concept behind that when you built it. I've kind of, I've kind of part of that website at the moment. Um, it's not active, just purely because the, the original concept behind it was blogging has worked for me. It's worked for a lot of businesses. I know I train businesses on blogging. The whole idea behind it 
was to get other businesses blogging and have them the, their facility to guest blog. What what I found out, and that is probably one of my mistakes. I, I spent a few hundred pounds on that website, and what I found after developing it was lots of people said they wanted to blog on a regular basis. What you actually find is real life and business gets in the way. So people aren't as committed to the idea of blogging as myself. So what's kind of happened is it's sort of stalled that website at the moment, just on the basis that people don't want to get to blog as much as I thought they did. Um, which is it's really, it's really hard because every business would benefit from it, but most people don't want to do it. So um, it's, it's, yeah, that's a website, probably yeah, one of my failures, I'd say it's not best business well. It should have flown. It should have flown, but it just like it didn't work out. And at the end of the day, you treat it as a learning curve. Um, I spent seven hundred and fifty quid on the website. Didn't work. Uh, move on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how important do you think failures are? Um, failures are um, important to learn from the good learning experiences. I don't dwell on it. There's a lot of things like fail fast and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, I want to succeed fast. Um, yeah, you definitely learn. Like, I learn from every experience. I think you learn a lot more from your failures. Like, you, you, like that failure talk from Northwest Business Live was, not everyone's exactly the same as me. Not everyone's as committed to the idea of educating people. And therefore, you need to look at ways that you make it easy for them. So things like this podcast are fantastic because asking people questions, people want to be interviewed rather than have to write about things because I'm not having to think about necessarily the questions like you've had to today, I'm just answering them off the, off the cuff and I think people like that more. Yeah, I'd definitely say it's, um, it's 10 times easier doing a, a spoken podcast than let's say, for example, oh yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on Medium? Oh, Medium, the, the, the blogging platform. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't use it. I've done one blog or something on it when it first came out and this was years and years and years ago now. Um, it's good. I get the newsletters. And I do read. I read stuff on news. Media, I read stuff on Medium. I don't publish on that. And again, I think that's down to time. If I'm going to spend time writing a blog, I probably want it on my own website. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a personal preference. But then you get the exposure of Medium. So there's certain writers I've heard of only because of Medium. It's good. It's, if you've got the time to commit to do something on your own platform and something on someone else's platform, it's definitely worth doing. In terms of outside of work, what sort of um, stuff? has got your attention and what's what what are you interested in at the moment outside of work um i'm definitely interested in the fitness industry and i, I probably will launch a fitness business at one stage i don't know what yet because i just know it's in the it's been in the back of my head for about two years and then i qualified as a fitness instructor so i'm definitely interested in health and the way that's going because i think if you look at younger people myself i mean i'm 40 this weekend just to give you an idea of age um i don't <laughs> i'm 40 you still have yeah, thank you. <laughs> so um, I think fitness is going to be big. And I, I remember meeting someone a few years ago and he said, if you're not involved in the fitness industry or the health industry, um, by 2020, you're going to be out of business. And I, I, I definitely think whether it's going to be businesses having health policies or whether it's going to be, you've noticed probably the, the amount of sort of health bars and protein bars uh, they're opening at the moment. And I think there's a, it's a young shift in dynamics. When I, when I was 18 years old, my 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 routine was going to the pub on a Friday night. Now you look at the average 18 year old, and their routine is going to the gym. So I think there's definitely a shift in mindset. So I think health's going to be big. So I'm looking at where that's going. I'm also interested and worried about AI 
and virtual reality because I think that's definitely going to become big. I don't think immediately. I think we're still about seven years off anything becoming major in that field in terms of the mainstream. Um, but I think how things shift from social to AI and um, virtual reality is going to be an interesting. Yeah, I totally agree because um, obviously like looking at Facebook and the companies that they're buying, mm. they're buying quite a lot of companies that are aligned with a lot of AI, AR, mm. which just basically shows that they're already like start, starting to like develop all the stuff, getting in there early, just trying to see what works and what doesn't, just, just so that they're ready for when it kicks off they've got everything set up already. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think yeah, you're right totally that the companies they're investing in are the sort of, if you look at who Google's investing in and Facebook and all, all the channels at the moment, that's kind of an indication of where the future's going. And I think that, that that's scary and worrying at the same time. Um, I think for someone who works in this field, you, 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 can, you can be put out of business quite quickly if something changes massively and you're not prepared for it. Um, but it, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. I, I don't want to turn into my parents who didn't know how to use a video recorder or a DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's a massive part of it, basically running your own business, making sure that you're ready, if not ahead of the curve, basically yeah. you're like the second wave. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the reason that I, I do so well in social media is because literally when I launched Ultimate HQ in 2009 as a community project and turned it into a business in 2010, it wasn't really, people didn't understand that you could have a social media agency. People didn't understand they existed. And because I was in early and people know me and I built up my reputation before lots and lots of, I'll say charlatans in some cases, uh, joined the field. Um, yeah, I was in early and it definitely, it, it held me in good stead and it built my business up being in early. So I've got to look where it's going um, to make sure I don't get left behind. Because we've seen, we've seen the high street decimated with changes. You look at how Woolworths and Blockbusters and all these high street brands um, have been put out of business. And now you look at the restaurants that have been put out of business. And the restaurants that, to be fair, aren't cool anymore or aren't fashionable. They didn't look where trends were going. And suddenly they're closing up and businesses left, right and centre. Yeah, I find that massively interesting, just like exactly what you said in terms of like Toys R Us being shut down, which you look back and think, okay, was that, was some of that their fault, the fact that they didn't innovate? Is that something that they could have done? And then just even other things, looking at how like Amazon bought Whole Foods. Mm. It's just massive, like no one would have ever saw like um, that Amazon would have bought Whole Foods. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, exactly right. I mean, you've got to look at... Um, businesses aren't going to be around forever like they were. I think there's, I mean, obviously you are going to look at Amazon and they are probably going to be around for a long time as Facebook and the Google. But when you look at high street brands, like the idea of a Woolworths existing for, a, I don't know how many years Woolworths around, but 50, 60, 70, 80 years, things change so quickly now. So business brands that were around when I was a child in the 90s and noughties, are they still going to be around if they don't innovate? Probably not. I think the high street, if it still exists in, 10 years time will radically different obviously amazon are trying to get into that field as well yeah i think they're doing a great job with um amazon go where you just basically just walk in pick what you want and just walk straight out yeah that, that's i mean and that's only going to happen for major change but i think that'll be a change on the high street and i think what independents have got to do in that respect is the smaller businesses can't afford the tech you've got to really drill down on the customer service experience i i, I I, could I work with some retailers? I, I'm constantly looking at other retailers and seeing how they're 
changing and I think customer service is so bad in England the customer service experience you, you go to New York and it's amazing and you come back to England you think really if you, are you still in business or how good your customer service is <laughs> you go there to buy something and you've got Joel who's just like it looks like he's been on the shift for 20 hours doesn't want to yeah. talk to you yeah he's exactly. like no, it's, it's really surprising when actually someone's nice and human to you, and that's what the and actually goes above and beyond. Um, so I, I was just in the, I was in the supermarket today looking for a product, and there was no staff around me. It's a major major high street supermarket, and I was looking around, and there's no one. I'd have had to walk three or four hours to find a human being to actually say we've got products in stock. And I'm like, if you want me to come in and not just order online from Amazon, like why 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 isn't there someone that I can go and ask a question? Basically, in the whole, in the last 15, 15 years, how much of an impact has e-commerce had in basically the whole um, sphere of business? For me, e-commerce, not a lot to be fair. Um, I mean, e not e-commerce is in people ordering online, but actually my website's massive. I, my business wouldn't exist without websites, but people don't order online because I think people, when people get in contact with myself, they go on my website, they want to email a few questions. They've seen that they're intrigued by what I do. They think it's for them, but they want that validation from the email and me actually personally responding to them. So you can't just go on my website and sort of book via PayPal or book via whatever. Um, they have to actually contact me via email or call me up. So on my business, it hasn't really affected me. The internet's massively affected me, but not e-commerce specifically. What about in terms of B2C companies, basically like brands? who was selling products? Yeah, oh, for brands, definitely. For, for brands that are selling a product, it's, it's, it's e-commerce is like, literally, if I, if I was launching a business, a B2C business, there is no way I'd set up a physical business. I would start off on, online, and I'd set a website up, and I was just reading about a product that does um, an end-to-end -end solution. I can't remember what the name was. I was just reading about an article on a, a train today. And they're basically trying to set up a system up where it's making it so easy for people to set up a retail store. There are no upfront costs. And the person setting that up gets 40% of each individual sale. So it's half affiliate sales and half e-commerce. And I'm, I'm going to investigate that later tonight and just sort of find out a little bit about that. Because that shows if you've got the marketing skills, the idea of an online platform that makes it easy for you, um, people can definitely build businesses around things like that. Well, yeah, it sounds um, very sort of similar to basically what Apple, Spotify are doing in the music industry in terms of basically you put that, but then they'll take their cut and their commission. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that, that that's going to be a model developed, um, definitely. And then in terms of um, companies, brands, businesses, what are some of the few, a few of them that you think are doing a great job marketing at the moment? It's a hard one. I mean, the thing is, I'm I'm, so, I'm looking at something that happens every day, and you don't necessarily think of those. I mean, obviously, there's the obvious examples that everyone in social media would mention, like innocent drinks do a fantastic job on social. They're just so human and so not salesy. So when you look at innocent drinks, they're just talking about trending subjects and things that the general public um, are doing. I think it's a love and hate thing, but the Poundland thing at Christmas was fantastic. Um, when he did a bit of a risque campaign where he sort of took off the elf on a shelf um, and did very, what I'd call British carry-on style humour. <laughs> so a bit of tongue-in-cheek, and I thought that was fantastic. 
um, Greg's and the Jesus of Sausage Roll was fantastic. <laughs> it's all the, and Paddy Power, it's all the things pushing the boat a bit, actually, to be fair. Um, I think on local levels, um, obviously what we try and do for our clients is heavily engage. And I think that's a difference between national brands or international brands and small local businesses. So when you've got a national brand, they obviously want to generate almost a viral effect. Yeah. So that it, it generates obviously viral activity on social, but also hopefully makes the newspapers as well and traditional media. When you're dealing with a local business, it's a totally different dynamic. So it's all about how many conversations you'll take place with local people, local customers, and how that converts to actually people through doors. So what, what I pride ourselves on, on every single account that we manage, which is a local business, is we do far deeper engagement than any of our competitors and any of their competitors. So it's all about scaling conversations and getting the interactions. And I think when you look at how Facebook is going and you look at how Twitter is going, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg talked about meaningful interactions. And then Twitter's just changing something tomorrow, which is about where it's trying to stop almost spamming people posting the same content. And we've been against all that stuff for years and literally trying to, as I said, meaningful interactions, engagement that actually works and resonates on the local audience. So I think a lot of our clients just do excellent jobs um, of, of local, hyper-local engagement. And then in terms of um, basically when you've got a small business and let's say one of the owners or whether it's one or two owners, basically they're out of touch with digital marketing, what's mm. one of the first things that you go in and basically try to show them that this is beneficial for your business um yeah that, one, that one's quite easy actually we've got loads of case studies uh, of local businesses so usually i'll just go into a local business as a skeptical i'll say do you know that business two doors down from you do you know how many customers they're generating and i'll start telling them and i'll just talk passionately about it because i think there is a mindset there is still a traditional mindset that loves local that loves printed media and printed media still works and they love traditional media and traditional media still works but i think you're either you're in one camp or the other, and I think when I've got that traditional camp, I will put my case forward, but I'll never sort of beg. I, I know that I've got examples on every high street in my, my local town. So when I'm dealing with a local business, it's quite easy to go, that business, that business, that business, all generates business via social media. It's kind of up to you if you want it now. And then so it's sounds, sounds, No, sorry, go on. No, I said it can sound a bit arrogant when you say that, but it's actually true. I think... Uh, People need to see a real-life example. And when you can point out multiple examples, it at least makes them think, but still some people walk away and they think it's not for them. And it, it's to their loss a lot of the time, sadly. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. And um, since I've started working at Yale, who work with tons and tons of small businesses, I'll say one of the things that I've come across is basically um, seeing that a lot of the small business owners, they know that they need the help, but... Yeah. They just can't let go of the reins and let someone else do it. Yeah, definitely. So I think that ends up being a problem for them, where they end up being, they end up hindering the business by not yeah. letting go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that that is definitely something like like we don't want to give our marketing skills to someone else because the business and only I can do it. And then what you find on particularly on social or any form of marketing, it's the last thing on the to do list. I said something today about marketing can literally be the difference between a business flying or a business failing. And to do that, marketing has to be number one on your to-do list, not 
number 10 or 20 and it'd be the thing that you do when you get a little bit of spare time so i i literally will outsource things that i don't like or don't do so my design i'm not a good designer i've got a designer who does fantastic design work for us um i don't design my own website someone does that for me but you, you get small businesses oh we've got to design our own website we've got to do all our social media we're going to do our design chances are they're not good at either all of them or at least two of those 100 percent. because i always think one of the worst positions is a a, a in-house digital marketing exec who mm. basically is required to do blogging create social media content run ppc run traditional yeah. marketing do um photoshop and basically do everything that in a normal agency would have mm. 10 people doing it yeah definitely i, I totally agree and you, you 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 i meet these people all the time and sometimes i'm training them on certain aspects of what they do so they might need a little help with twitter or they might need a little help on linkedin but you actually realize how many people in digital roles don't have the experience don't actually have either the marketing skills or their actual experience and that they are given everything i think it's a mistake I, um people are interviewed on jobs and to get to get the job role they say they can do all of this and in reality they can't basically when people in terms of jobs and interviewing people yeah. what do you think is more important um skills or the individual likability um likability i mean they've got to have basic skills they've, yeah. they've, they've have a, a little bit of grounding a little bit of knowledge i don't i think it's too hard to take someone from zero to ten but i think if someone's on about a five in the terms of the skill set they can always be trained to be a, to be better at what they do and as long as their personality fits uh, when, when i work with people it always tends to be quite organic so i'll meet someone and i'll sort of have them back in my head they're going to work with me at one stage i don't know when but they'll work with me when i need it and that is all down to personality um, so i would always put personality over skill set but just you've got to have the groundings first yeah definitely i agree because um I, i'm always thinking in terms of let's say you've had two people and the basically one is probably a nine out of ten in terms of skill set and the other one might even be a five but if the nine's mm. a dick yeah that's just a no-brainer yeah definitely if, if, you, if you don't like someone um it's, it's never going to work out if, if the personality totally jars and I mean, sometimes you, you, you're going to have to work with people you don't get on with all the time, but when it's someone who's part of your team, yeah. you definitely need to fit there. What are you scared of in life? Growing old. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 40 this weekend, so definitely growing old and being irrelevant is probably one thing I'm scared of. Um, I think because I used to work in the music industry because I now work in social media, it's definitely perceived as a young person's game. So I think growing old, even though you experience comes with that, I don't want to be seeing that because you do see people that are older at networking meetings and they sort of go, I'm a business coach or I'm this or that and I don't want to turn into a business coach. <laughs> so I think 40, you're still very young, especially with the way that, um, just technology and in terms of like medicine, how everything's just advancing and lifespan, that's increasing massively for everyone. Yeah, someone someone said on when I said oh I'm 40 next week. Someone said oh a middle age is technically 60 now or something. So I'm I'm happy with that. I can I can continue. I, I believe that. <laughs> and then I know I've took um, a lot of your time today, so I'll just ask a few more questions just to wrap it up. And then um, basically, in terms of people just wanting to reach out to you to speak to you, maybe get some advice. Where can those yes. people find you? 
Um, on most of the platforms, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my username is at Altrincham HQ. And on LinkedIn, my name is Alex McCann. So I'm, I'm always on those platforms and probably use Twitter and LinkedIn I'm on the most. So just reach out to me on those and just say hello. I'm always welcome to chat to new people. Okay, brilliant. I'll make sure that I get those linked up on the podcast. And then um, I'll say for the final question, what three shots of wisdom would you mm. give to anyone that they're either in a shit position at the moment and mm. they want to get somewhere better or they're already doing well but they know they can do better or they want to start a business or they're in a nine to five they love mm. it but they just don't like the position they're in basically what three shots of wisdom would you give to someone that wants to improve on themselves yeah so three shots of wisdom first shot write down what you want to do and set a time scale for that so if you are in a really bad job that you don't like I'm not going to give you advice to leave your job and then lose your house and everything. But set a timescale, say, I want to do this by a set timescale and commit to that and don't give up. So that's the first one. I would say look at people are doing well in your field and be look at what they're doing well. Also look at what they're not doing well and try and fill their, fill their gaps and then reach out to those people as well. So set your goal, look at people are doing well, Find out things are not maybe doing well and contact them and start building a relationship with them and then maybe drop in. Actually, I can do this. And if it fills a gap, you've probably got a door in with those people. Okay, brilliant. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another episode of Shots of Wisdom. Thank you, Alex. I really, really want to say I appreciate you doing this. And I know we spoke for about 50 minutes now, but really cool guy and we spoke on the shaper app and replied to me straight away with a few chats i asked you if you wanted to be on this and you said yeah which is i think something great because we've only known each other for like <laughs> probably a few minutes chit chat there and there but you accepted and i 100 percent i'm grateful and in terms of what you're doing business-wise i think what you're doing is great you're helping businesses that really need it and you're just changing stuff on a daily basis and i just want to say thank you and acknowledge you for that yeah thank you very much cheers thank you for listening to another episode of shots of wisdom i really hope you enjoyed it and i really hope you took something away from it i know that i did i really enjoyed it um if you did great uh, there'll be more coming out every wednesday so every wednesday there'll be a new episode as long as i can get someone to record there's going to be one every single wednesday so please subscribe and i'll keep them coming if you didn't like it find me on instagram and let me know it's at mcleod moyo which is at m-a-c-l-o-u-d-m-o-y-o thank you it's a wrap